Hey everyone. So this week I just released my latest book. Uh, it's called The Book of Why and How. It's the result of the thousands of hours of interviews that I've done with many of the world's highest of achievers. As you know, uh, we're over now 4,000 interviews. So I tried to take what I learned during those interviews and put them together in this brand new book. It also includes insight by close to 400 of those same thought leaders, you know, their quotes, photos, the whole works in this book as well. And really what, I guess motivated me to put this book together is, and I don't share this story often, but I started with a Fortune 500 company back in the, I guess it was the mid to late 90s, and it was the 58th largest company in North America at the time, and I was really shocked to find out in the first week I started, I had almost zero training, I felt helpless and hopeless, and I really said to myself then I wanted to make sure that I helped other people not have to go through what I went through. You know, because helplessness or hopelessness doesn't have to be at the start of a new job. It can be various aspects of your life. And I really wanted to learn what these uh, high achievers, these thought leaders were doing differently so that I could share it with other people in easily digestible ways and in the case of a book, a low-cost way so that you could learn from what these people have done and I could learn from what they had done during my interviews as well and so that we could uh, maybe avoid that hopelessness or helplessness we feel when we don't have access to that type of experience exclusive insight that other people may have access to. So again, put this book together uh, to hopefully address that. I launched it with a Kickstarter campaign, and that's mainly because I wanted to be able to offer some really exclusive bonuses for the people that support the project. At the same time, it's a way for people to be a part of it and, and help support the project and make sure it comes to life. Uh, so really excited to bring this all together. Uh, the bonuses themselves you can actually find right on the website. If you go down the right-hand side, it lists the different levels different numbers of books you can buy and you'll find exclusive bonuses which each different level worth checking out I think uh, again the idea with the book is to hopefully give you access to insight you wouldn't normally be able to get unless you spent the same thousands of hours that I spent researching this and interviewing these high achievers and again as well the book you know was something that was spurred on because of something that happened earlier in my life and my hope is that it serves as a game changer or a transformational moment for you you know the moment you start reading the book and hopefully the moment that you finish it. So if you want to learn more about it, if you want to grab your copies today, if you want to get access to these great bonuses, or if you just want to support this project uh, because you want to make sure it jumps off the ground in a big way, feel free to go to thebookofwhy.com. Again, thebookofwhy.com, and you'll get all of the information there. And of course, as always, love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. You can reach us at conversationswithleaders at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Hi everyone, this is Shelly, aka The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello everybody, it is Corey Poirier and excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. Really excited to have a return guest who I know really well. As our listeners know, I love bringing on return guests. It's really exciting to continue to watch their journey and learn more about what they're doing and, and what they continue to do. And so Jeff Doyle of Smile Dog, it's, uh, it's great to have you here today. And Jeff, I think probably the best starting point would be to get you to tell us maybe a little bit about your backstory or your journey for those listeners who may be just discovering you for the very first time. Okay, uh, well, it's a long story. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do the Reader's Digest version. Um, I've always been a business owner. My, I'm actually a geologist who couldn't get work, and then I was a teacher who couldn't get work, so I was forced into business. Uh, I think I got started in business because I was selling encyclopedias. I got found out I was good at sales, and, of course, most entrepreneurs have to have some sales skills or they probably can't succeed. So knowing nothing about business, I started a, I bought a janitorial franchise back way before the Internet when the only place you could research businesses was in magazines. So I bought a company, a franchise called Janiking. I built that up over the years, probably seven years till it was a small little janitorial company. A lot of great stories inside that little company because that's where I learned uh, business. And then I sold that to Service Master and started a company called Shred It in 1995. And I was one of the first franchisees in that in Canada. And we owned the rights to Atlantic Canada. And we were able to build that up to be a successful 
uh, franchise in Atlantic Canada, and we sold that for over a million dollars in 2002. And then I took my uh, family on some trips around the world, blew all the money, and then decided I had to get back in the business and researched and researched, had a few failures trying to get started again, and eventually uh, come up with this idea for Smile Dog, which we started in 2006, which is just when the iPhone was coming out. And I always love to tell people that now I'm 10 years in, uh, everything I use in this business today didn't exist when I started. And um, today it's a successful business with 30 employees. And um, that's a two-minute version of a long, long, long story. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, Jeff. Well, I think that gives us a good starting ground as well. And, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned that about uh, started really small with Smile Dog. And I remember those days, I remember walking into your first office, and I believe there was maybe, uh, there was yourself, your wife, and I think maybe one employee, but I'm not even sure about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, but, yeah, that's quite a, quite a journey in a, in a short amount of years, really. Yes, and in fact, I uh, recently just put all my financials on a spreadsheet so I could look at my story. And it, and it's an interesting story because it's not a I wouldn't call it a great success story. It would be one of persi- persistence, and uh, you know because I certainly had years when I went, why am I doing this, and why would I work so hard and get no return? And I think it's a story that entrepreneurs need to realize that sometimes you just need to stick at it and stick at it and stick at it. And as we're talking, I'm just looking at these numbers, and in my first year. I my sales were nine thousand dollars and I lost a hundred. Uh, in the second year, I lost. In the second year, I lost sixty thousand and my sales were a hundred thousand. And in year five, though, I had managed to get one good customer and I actually made a little money in year five. But then I lost in year six and then I lost money in year six. And then year seven, I must. I don't remember. When you go back in this, you can't remember it all. But year seven, I. I started to grow again and recovered from this bad customer. But by year eight, I, I made my first, I guess, paycheck. And 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 then year nine, we did really good. And then year 10, we did even better. We've been doing better every year since. So we must have figured something out or we got through that bad period. And, of course, um, when it when you look, I can look at it on one page. As I'm talking to you, I'm looking at it, and I go, but it's 10 years of time. And most entrepreneurs, that length of time it's just so hard to imagine when you're starting uh and i guess that's when when they talk about overnight success i'm a 10-year overnight success <laughs> wow and, and and that's such you know and jeff i watched that journey so i know you know i can validate what you're saying and not obviously in the financial side that i can validate it but i know we had the conversations through at that time of the challenges and struggles that took place and you know it must have been a challenging especially like you mentioned that first year and the loss on the second year, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, having that previous franchise you sold and, and got a, a nice return on the sale and then ended up spending a lot of money. It must have been hard to say, okay, I got to go back into business and then start from scratch and, and have losses right at the beginning, even though that's the norm. That must have been uh, hard to watch. Well, yeah, I think the thing that I, when I look back on it, I think we all have egos. And I thought, well, I, I was pretty successful in this business. I can do it again. I think my ego got... Uh, corrected very quickly, and I, I didn't realize. I, I think you forget sometimes how hard it is to build a business, especially one that where you make it and you're successful. And I think you can get lucky. You can find the right thing at the right time. But I always try to say to entrepreneurs, it, it's more than likely it'll be a normal business like mine was, and that it will take a lot of effort, money, time, and so on to get 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 it to the point because. What I've learned over the last 10 years is I needed to change a lot and learn a lot of new skills to get to the level I'm at now with this business. And I'm even now I realize I have a whole new job that I didn't have in in all the years that I was building it, and I have a whole new set of skills I've got to learn. Um, so it never stops. That's what I find amazing. It's nice to be over the making a living stage, uh, but now I'm at a stage of responsibility for the employees that I have and becoming a leader, and so it's a whole new set of skills that I'm trying to develop, and it's exciting to think that I have to develop those, but it's it's like starting all over again in some ways, even though you're 10 years in. So here's a, a question, Jeff, that, you know, I think it's kind of an inside 
question because I know the sort of the inside of this, but a lot of our listeners wouldn't. But I think there's a big lesson here, and I'll relate it to a book that I read, which you'll know what book I'm talking about once I ask you this question. But um, when you started the business, one thing I noticed is you sort of set it up almost like a franchise, even though it wasn't a franchise. Was that intentional? And if, if so, was that based on what you'd seen before in relation to selling a business down the road? Well, I, I just reread the E Myth last night. Which is the book I was I, talking my, about. Was, okay, so the E Myth, I just reread it last night, and it's amazing what's in it. And in fact, I read it twice in the last month because I think each day I read it, I see something that I didn't see the day before, which is why, you know, I'm really a proponent of reading. And in fact, at this new level I'm at, I have to read every day or I just can't, I don't have enough information to move my business forward. In fact, I just set a goal to read 52 books this year. Um, so it, the skills you need at this level to take the business to the next level are are new things for me that i got to develop better at. And the e for me kind of explains what I was trying to, I think, create from day one because I've always owned franchises. I kind of saw how a model, how a business works. So now I'm, I've got it big enough and profitable enough that I, it, it, is, it has the numbers to franchise. So now I am considering franchising the concept, which means I have to get really tight on my systems and processes. And we're working on that. So we, but at this stage, I'm just not sure where we're going to go yet. It is a, right now we're looking at how do you grow. And um, franchising might be one role. The other thing we're thinking of is acquisitions as well. Uh, so we're just trying. There's, there's a lot of tough decisions once you get to a certain size. You think they're all over once you make a little bit of money, but they actually get, it gets harder. <laughs> so the decisions, in some ways, maybe just begin. The tough ones, especially. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, uh, does it, you know, I I have a management team that's supposed to run the business, and they do, but it seems like uh, it's like I'm a, now I'm starting a whole new business where I have a whole bunch of new jobs I have to learn how to do. So it's kind of like it's like restarting. So it's kind of a it's exciting. I mean. Uh, the potential is exciting. The work scares you sometimes. Yeah, I, I you know, I, well, I totally been there. Uh, and, you know, and it's funny because you get to see, especially with me where you do a lot of interviews, you get to see so many people starting from the beginning and scratch. And it reminds you, of, as you kind of said, those tough days that some people don't even, uh, you know, don't even know exist. But there's, there's definitely – a lot, I'm going to say there's probably a lot more tougher days than easy days, especially in the first five years. Yeah, there is a lot of tough days. I think what I've learned, though, about tough days now is actually I view them as a uh, – the tough days are just an indication I need to learn something. So actually they become – I've turned the tough days into positive days. They're just really an, an indication I have to change, learn, or do something different. Um, and most of my team actually starts, is starting to think that way. So we've developed a real – culture at smile dog that is evolved around being professional smiling and awesome and we have a set of behaviors that are aligned with that including a positivity culture and it's almost now when we have problems we all get excited because we kind of go wow this shows us what we need to fix something here or do something better so it's kind of interesting what happens as you develop things (laughs) and so i guess jeff one of the things that you had said to me in the past that it's probably the thing that I shared the most uh, from – actually, I think from an interview we did for the book series that I used to publish. And you had said – and I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I'm not looking at the quote. But it was along the lines of that you uh, – every day uh, you feel like you're actually uh, painting a picture or, or doing a painting. And some days it's a Picasso, some days not so much, but at least I'm still painting. Do you still feel that way? Yep. Oh, yeah. I think uh... – that's a good way to explain what you do in a business. You're, you're never, it's never done. It's never finished. Um, you may hit a sales number that you were trying to hit, but as soon as you hit that number, there's a, another goal on another horizon that suddenly presents itself, and a business isn't stagnant. It keeps moving. And so I always related it to uh, painting. If I was a painter, I've, you know, I'm trying to get the painting just right, uh, maybe the only difference is some people finish paintings and they say it's done. I guess the day you're done your paintings, the day you sell it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's you know what? That's a great uh, continuation on that metaphor. I love that. Yeah. It, uh, and so you know, you mentioned that. Is that I know and as well when we talked in the past, you know, the idea of selling it down the road. It's, I'll, I'll say it this way. This is the best way I can say it. It's just my perspective. 
it seemed like yeah. at the time, let's say even maybe four or five years ago when we chatted about it, you seem to be maybe more interested in the idea of selling it than you seem today. So has it grown on you, or or has, has there been any change there, or is that just my well, perception of it? No, I think I think uh, what's changed in the business is the development of our culture and becoming very clear on who we are. I think the day you start a business, it is who you are. It's just that it takes a while for you to manifest that in what you think, how you do everything in your business. And for me, uh, the whole name Smile Dog comes from me, and only I would name it that. And the culture that I created from day one, it comes through my beliefs, my habits, my reading, everything that I do uh, and believe in. But it's taken me 10 years to actually, I think, realize that the business is me and the, the message I want to get out into the public comes through my business. So the way I treat my people, the way uh, we treat our customers, it's all about this culture uh, that comes from my beliefs and habits and what I want to uh, how I want to show up in the world, really. And what I find is, as I get very clear on that, it's starting to make me accountable even to myself. And it's also made it very easy for us to hire the right people, to, uh, if someone's out of line, to show them what we expect. Um, it's also allowed us to uh, be clear on what we expect from our clients. Because uh, if one of our clients is, is not professional, smiling, or awesome with us, we don't want to service them. Um, so it's it's really um, it's a we're not I don't think we're at a hundred percent on this but I think we've really started to get clear on what a difference we can make in the world by presenting this culture to at least a few people and we have a great story in our business that we use and I'm not very good at telling stories but it's about the star the old man with the star who's on the beach and there's a bunch of starfishes on the beach and he's throwing the starfishes one at a time back into the ocean and a little boy comes up and says well. Why are you throwing the starfishes in the ocean? And um, the old man uh, he says, it can't make a difference. There's too many of them There's on the beaches. You're never going to make a difference. And he says, he picks one up and throws it and says, well, it made a difference to that one. And we use that story in our business, too, because we take phone calls, and we take thousands and thousands of phone calls, and we teach the girls that each phone call makes a difference to the person you're talking to. Each conversation you have with friends and family or anyone anywhere can make a difference. And we really feel in our business we make a difference with each single conversation we have and that culture in our business has allowed us to really get a, excited about what we do every day and what difference we make in the world uh, so it's you know it's it's really changing the way we view everything and so we um, we actually made a story up a starfish story for the girls where you know we're bringing in a new trainee and we're training her and and she notices how smiling, professional, awesome the receptionist is on every call, and she says, why, why are you so nice on the, every phone? It can't make a difference. And our receptionist picks up another call, is smiling, professional, and awesome, and says to the new trainee, made a difference to that one. So, <laughs> I love that. I, I love that story, yeah. and I love that you actually took a new perspective on it. So that is awesome, Jeff. Well, and, and you know, when you, when you talk about that in terms of sort of that approach and the fact that it's it's sort of, I guess it's your... Hey, everyone. So this week, I just released my latest book. Uh, it's called The Book of Why and How. It's the result of the thousands of hours of interviews that I've done with many of the world's highest of achievers. As you know, uh, we're over now 4,000 interviews. So I tried to take what I learned during those interviews and put them together in this brand new book. It also includes insight by close to 400 of those same thought leaders, you know, their quotes, photos, the whole works in this book as well. And really what... I guess motivated me to put this book together is, and I don't share this story often, but I started with a Fortune 500 company back in the, I guess it was the mid to late 90s, and it was the 58th largest company in North America at the time, and I was really shocked to find out in the first week I started, I had almost zero training, I felt helpless and hopeless, and I really said to myself then I wanted to make sure that I helped other people 
not have to go through what I went through. You know, because helplessness or hopelessness doesn't have to be at the start of a new job. It can be various aspects of your life. And I really wanted to learn what these uh, high achievers, these thought leaders were doing differently so that I could share it with other people in easily digestible ways and in the case of a book, a low-cost way so that you could learn from what these people have done and I could learn from what they had done during my interviews as well and so that we could uh, maybe avoid that hopelessness or helplessness we feel when we don't have access to that type of exclusive insight that other people may have access to. So again, put this book together uh, to hopefully address that. I launched it with a Kickstarter campaign and that's mainly because I wanted to be able to offer some really exclusive bonuses for the people that support the project. At the same time, it's a way for people to be a part of it and and help support the project and make sure it comes to life. Uh, So really excited to bring this all together. Uh, The bonuses themselves you can actually find right on the website. If you go down the right-hand side, it lists the different levels, different numbers of books you can buy, and you'll find exclusive bonuses with each different level. Worth checking out, I think. Uh, Again, the idea with the book is to hopefully give you access to insight you wouldn't normally be able to get unless you spent the same thousands of hours that I spent researching this and interviewing these high achievers. And again, as well, the book, you know, was something that was spurred on because of something that happened earlier in my life. And my hope is that it serves as a game changer or a transformational moment for you. You know, the moment you start reading the book and hopefully the moment that you finish it. So if you want to learn more about it, if you want to grab your copies today, if you want to get access to these great bonuses, or if you just want to support this project uh, because you want to make sure it jumps off the ground in a big way, feel free to go to thebookofwhy.com. Again, thebookofwhy.com, and you'll get all of the information there. And of course, as always, love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. You can reach us at conversationswithleaders at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Shelly, a.k.a. The Phoenix. Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and excited to be back with the latest edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. Really excited to have a return guest who I know really well. As our listeners know, I love bringing on return guests. It's really exciting to continue to watch their journey and learn more about what they're doing and, and what they continue to do. And so Jeff Doyle of Smile Dog, it's, uh, it's great to have you here today. And Jeff, I think probably the best starting point would be to get you to tell us maybe a little bit about your backstory or your journey for those listeners who may be just discovering you for the very first time. Okay. Uh, well, it's a long story. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do the Reader's Digest version. Um, I've always been a business owner. My I'm actually a geologist who couldn't get work, and then I was a teacher who couldn't get work, so I was forced into business. Uh, I think I got started in business because I was selling encyclopedias. I got found out I was good at sales, and of course, most entrepreneurs have to have some sales skills or they probably can't succeed. So knowing nothing about business, I started a, I bought a janitorial franchise back way before the Internet when the only place you could research businesses was in magazines. So I bought a, company, a franchise called Janiking. I built that up over the years probably seven years till it was a small little janitorial company. A lot of great stories inside that little company because that's where I learned uh, business. And then I sold that to Service Master and started a company called Shredit in 1995. And I was one of the first franchisees in that in Canada. And we owned the rights to Amanda Canada, and we were able to build that up to be a successful uh, franchise in the Atlantic Canada, and we sold that for over a million dollars in 2002. And then I took my uh, family on some trips around the world, blew all the money, and then decided I had to get back in the business and researched and researched, had a few failures trying to get started again, and eventually uh, come up with this idea for Smile Dog, which we started in 2006, which is just when the iPhone was coming out. And I always love to tell people that now I'm 10 years in, uh, everything I use in this business today didn't exist when I started. And um, today it's a successful business with 30 employees. And um, that's a two-minute version of a long, long, long story. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, Jeff. Well, I think that gives us a good starting ground as well. And, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned that about uh, started 
really small with Smile Dog, and I remember those days. I remember walking into your first office, and I believe there was maybe uh, there was yourself, your wife, and I think maybe one employee, but I'm not even sure about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, but yeah, that's quite a quite a journey in the in a short amount of years, really. Yes, and in fact, I uh, recently just put all my financials on a spreadsheet so I could look at my story. And it, and it's an interesting story because it's not a I wouldn't call it a great success story. It would be one of persi- persistence, and uh, you know because I certainly had years when I went, why am I doing this, and why would I work so hard and get no return? And I think it's a story that entrepreneurs need to realize that sometimes you just need to stick at it and stick at it and stick at it. And as we're talking, I'm just looking at these numbers, and in my first year. I my sales were nine thousand dollars and I lost a hundred. Uh, in the second year I lost in the second year I lost sixty thousand and my sales were a hundred thousand. And in year five though I had managed to get one good customer and I actually made a little money in year five but then I lost him in year six and then I lost money in year six. And then year seven I must I don't remember what, when you go back in this you can't remember it all. Year seven I. I started to grow again and recovered from this bad customer, but by year eight I, st- I made my first, I guess, paycheck, and 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 then year nine we did really good, and then year ten we did even better. We've been doing better every year since, so we must have figured something out, or we got through that bad period. And of course, um, when it when you look, I can look at it on one page as I'm talking to you. I'm looking at it, and I go, but it's ten years of time, and most entrepreneurs that length of time it's just so hard to imagine when you're starting uh and i guess that's when when they talk about overnight success i'm a 10-year overnight success <laughs> wow and 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 that's such you know and jeff i watched that journey so i know you know i can validate what you're saying and not obviously in the financial side that i can validate it but i know we had the conversations through at that time of uh, the challenges and struggles that took place and you know it must have been a challenging especially like you mentioned that first year and the loss in the second year, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, having that previous franchise you sold and, and got a, a nice return on the sale and then ended up spending a lot of money. It must have been hard to say, okay, I got to go back into business and then start from scratch and, and have losses right at the beginning, even though that's the norm. That must have been uh, hard to watch. Well, yeah, I think the thing that I, when I look back on it, I think we all have egos. And I thought, well, I, I was pretty successful in this business. I can do it again. I think my ego got uh corrected very quickly and i i didn't realize I, I think you forget sometimes how hard it is to build a business especially one that where you make it and you're successful and i think you can get lucky you can find the right thing at the right time but uh, i always try to say to entrepreneurs it, it's pr- more than likely it'll be a normal business like mine was and that it will take a lot of effort money time and so on to get to get get it to the point because what I've learned over the last 10 years is I needed to change a lot and learn a lot of new skills to get to the level I'm at now with this business. And I'm even now I realize I have a whole new job that I didn't have in in all the years that I was building it, and I have a whole new set of skills I've got to learn. Um, so it never stops. That's what I find amazing. It's nice to be over the making a living stage, <laughs> uh, but now I'm at a stage of responsibility for the employees that I have and becoming a leader and so it's a whole new set of skills that I'm trying to develop and it's exciting to think that I have to develop those but it's it's like starting all over again in some ways even though you're 10 years in so here's a, a question Jeff that you know I think it's kind of an inside question because I know the sort of the inside of this but a lot of our listeners wouldn't but I think there's a big lesson here and I'll relate it to a book that I read, which you'll know what book I'm talking about once I ask you this question. But um, when you started the business, one thing I noticed is you sort of set it up almost like a franchise, even though it wasn't a franchise. Was that intentional? And if, if so, was that based on what you'd seen before in relation to selling a business down the road? Well, I, I just reread The E-Myth last night. Which is the book I was I, talking my, about. Okay, so The E-Myth, the I just reread it last night, and it's amazing what's in it. And in fact, I've read it twice in the last month because I think each day I read it, I see something that I didn't see the day before, which is why, you know, I'm really a proponent of reading. And in fact, at this new level I'm at, I have to read every day or I just can't 
I don't have enough information to move my business forward. In fact, I just set a goal to read 52 books this year. Um, so it, the skills you need at this level to take the business to the next level are are new things for me that i got to develop better at. And the EMS for me kind of explains what I was trying to, I think, create from day one. Because I've always owned franchises, I kind of saw how a model, how a business works. So now I'm, I've got it big enough and profitable enough that I it, it is – it has the numbers to franchise, so now I am considering franchising the concept, which means I have to get really tight on my systems and processes. And we're working on that, So, we, but at this stage, I'm just not sure where we're going to go yet. It is a, Right now, we're looking at how do you grow, and um, franchising might be one role. The other thing we're thinking of is acquisitions as well. Uh, so we're just trying. There's a lot of tough decisions once you get to a certain size. You think they're all over once you make a little bit of money, but they actually get, it gets harder. <laughs> So the decisions in some ways maybe just begin. The tough ones, especially. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, uh, does it, you know, I I have a management team that's supposed to run the business, and they do, but it seems like uh, it's like I'm a, now I'm starting a whole new business where I have a whole bunch of new jobs I have to learn how to do. So it's kind of like it's like restarting. So it's kind of a it's exciting. I mean, uh, the potential is exciting. The work scares you sometimes. Yeah, I, I you know I well I totally been there uh, and you know and it's funny because you get to see especially with me where you do a lot of interviews you get to see so many people starting from the beginning and scratch and it reminds you of as you kind of said those tough days that some people don't even uh you know don't even know exist but there's there's definitely a lot i'm going to say there's probably a lot more tougher days than easy days especially in the first five years yeah there is a lot of tough days i think what i've learned though about tough days now is actually I view them as a uh, – the tough days are just an indication I need to learn something. So actually they become – I've turned the tough days into positive days. They're just really an, an indication I have to change, learn, or do something different. Um, and most of my team actually starts, is starting to think that way. So we've developed a real culture at Smile Dog that is evolved around being professional, smiling, and awesome. And we have a set of behaviors that uh, are aligned with that, including a positivity culture. And it's almost now when we have problems, we all get excited because we kind of go, wow, this shows us what we need to fix something here or do something better. So it's kind of interesting what happens as you develop things. And so I guess, Jeff, one of the things that you had said to me in the past that it's probably the thing that I shared the most uh, from – actually, I think from an interview we did for the book series that I used to publish. And you had said – and I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I'm not looking at the quote – but it was along the lines of that you uh, every day uh, you feel like you're actually uh, painting a picture or, or doing a painting, and some days it's a Picasso, some days not so much, but at least I'm still painting. Do you still feel that way? Yep. Oh yeah, I think uh, that's a good way to explain what you do in a business. You're you're never it's never done, it's never finished. Um, you may hit a sales number that you were trying to hit, but as soon as you hit that number, there's a another goal on another horizon that suddenly presents itself and a business isn't stagnant, it keeps moving. And so I always related it to uh, painting. If I was a painter, I've, you know, I'm trying to get the painting just right. Uh, I mean, the only difference is some people finish paintings and they say it's done. I guess the day you're done your painting is the day you sell it. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know what, that's a great uh, continuation on that metaphor. I love that. uh, And so, you know, you mentioned that. Is that, I know as well, when we talked in the past, you know, the idea of selling it down the road, I'll I'll say it this way. This is the best way I can say it. It's just my perspective. It seemed like at the time, let's say even maybe four or five years ago when we chatted about it, you seemed to be maybe more interested in the idea of selling it than you seem today. So has it grown on you or or has there been any change there? Or is that just my perception of it? No, I think I think uh, what's changed in the business is the development of our culture and becoming very clear on who we are. I think the day you start a business, it is who you are. It's just that it takes a while for you to manifest that in what you think, how you do everything in your business. And for me, uh, the whole name Smile Dog comes from me, and only I would name it that. And the culture that I created from day one, it comes through my beliefs, my habits, my reading, everything that I do uh, and believe in. But it's taken me 10 years to actually, I think, realize that 
the business is me and the the message I want to get out into the public comes through my business. So the way I treat my people, the way uh, we treat our customers, it's all about this culture uh, that comes from my beliefs and habits and what I want to, uh, how I want to show up in the world, really. And what I find is, as I get very clear on that, it's starting to make me accountable even to myself. And it's also made it very easy for us to hire the right people, to, uh, if someone's out of line, to show them what we expect. Um, it's also allowed us to uh, be clear on what we expect from our clients. Because uh, if one of our clients is, is not professional, smiling, or awesome with us, we don't want to service them. Um, so it's it's really, um, it's a, we're not, I don't think we're at 100% on this, but I think we've really started to get clear on what a difference we can make in the world by presenting this culture to at least a few people. And we have a great story in our business that we use. And I'm not very good at telling stories, but it's about the star, the old man with the star who's on the beach, and there's a bunch of starfishes on the beach, and he's throwing the starfishes one at a time back into the ocean. And a little boy comes up and says, "Well, why are you throwing the starfishes in the ocean?" And um, the old man uh, he says, "It can't make a difference. There's too many of them. There's on the beaches. You're never going to make a difference." And he says, he picks one up and throws it and says, "Well, it made a difference to that one." And we use that story in our business, too, because we take phone calls, and we take thousands and thousands of phone calls, and we teach the girls that each phone call makes a difference to the person you're talking to. Each conversation you have with friends and family or anyone anywhere can make a difference, and we really feel in our business we make a difference with each single conversation we have. And that culture in our business has allowed us to really get excited about what we do every day and what difference we make in the world. Uh, so it's you know it's it's really changing the way we view everything, and so we um, we actually made a story up a starfish story for the girls where, you know, we're bringing in a new trainee and we're training her and and she notices how smiling, professional, awesome the receptionist is on every call and she says why why are you so nice on the, every phone? It can't make a difference, and our receptionist picks up another call is smiling, professional, and awesome, and says to the new trainee made a difference to that one, so. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that story, and I love that you actually took a new perspective on it. So that is awesome, Jeff. Well, and, and you know, when you, when you talk about that in terms of sort of that approach and the fact that it's, it's sort of, I guess it's your, it's a lot of who you are is built into the business. You know, I kind of likened it to years ago, whenever I started, various different things I did. So, for example, playing music, performing stand-up comedy, I knew that on, from a writing perspective, or lack of a better way of saying it, whether I, I was talented either is obviously up to the eye of the beholder, but I knew that I was at least more talented as a writer than a performer. And so on the music side, my original thought as I was growing up was I was going to be a songwriter. And what I found is that I would start co-writing songs with people or write a song and they would come and sing it. And nobody ever expressed it in the way I saw the song being expressed. And so I ultimately decided that even though I was terrified of the stage and and didn't think I should be on the stage and all that kind of stuff, it was either I put it out that way and got represented the way I wanted to, or I accepted that I would put it out and it would be changed from my original vision. And so ultimately I decided to go the first route, uh, much like probably Bob Dylan did. You know, there's a lot of people that say Bob Dylan can't sing, but yet if Bob Dylan would never would never embarked on his own solo career, there's a good chance we would have heard all his songs covered by people in different voices today because he wouldn't have become That's a right. he did. So it's much the same way, you know, I think you could be a musician who writes your songs and you could um, sell them to other people and nobody ever knows that you wrote them or you can perform them yourself and then maybe, so much like Smile Dog, maybe somebody years later says, I like that person's vision and, you know, you're done playing music and then they buy the rights to your music like this happened with the Beatles and a lot of other big bands and then they decide to take their vision with it which in that world is usually way more commercial than the bands would have liked, you know, putting their songs yeah. in car commercials and stuff. Uh, but much the same way, you might decide, I guess, someday to sell it, but you'd have to know when you do that your vision might be carried out because you built it so strongly in, but I'm sure there's parts of it that would get lost. Well, I, I think if you sell a company, but I think what we're trying to do is build our culture as an asset. Uh, and what that means is the actual way we, the way our culture is developed and and, and documented and uh, taught, is something a company would pay uh, more money for, uh, because it actually makes the business more profitable. 
Now that that's something we we work on. So we look at our culture and our the way we treat. Well, of course, the way we treat our staff is very important because they're the ones that are in contact with the customers every day. And if we can't be empathetic and nice to them and set a, a, a tone of positivity, how can we expect them to do that to the thousands of touches they have with clients every day? Right. For sure. And there's there's a, a book I love the. I mean. I'll say it this way, I'll, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to agree with this or second it, meaning you don't have to say if you feel it's, it's accurate. But there's a book that I read one time, and the title alone says it all. But I think a lot of people, if they saw the title, especially a customer perspective, would think that it's maybe a terrible message. But if you run a business, you understand the message. Ideally, you'd want to say that the customers and employees both come first. But the book title I'm talking about is, is actually the, the customer comes second. And it goes back to what you said is that the idea behind it is if you can treat your employees like they're your customer and treat them like gold and treat them like your family and friends, then they'll do the job of making sure the customer comes first to them. And I, I like that yep. premise, even though, you know, customer doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear that they come first, but there's nothing to say they both can't come first, but that you put the focus on giving the attention to the employees so that they do it for the customer. Yeah. Well, I, well from my perspective, that is putting the customer first because it's uh i'm big enough now that i don't talk to the customers much anymore so by by making sure my staff know the culture that i expect that i know the customer wants i'm really putting that in a way i'm putting them first even though i'm saying i have to look at how that's delivered which is through my staff right or yeah. as we call them over here we call them smile gals <laughs> <laughs> and i and i love that so what, what happens if, uh, this is the top of my head, but what happens if you ever hire a guy, would it be like a smile dude or a smile guy? It would be a, it would be a smile dude. Uh, I don't know if we, 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 I guess to be politically correct, it would be a smile dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, you have you obviously have a good um, system working there, and, and, and obviously the smile gals, I mean, I think that's, that's good from a branding perspective as well. And it, it's sort of become like, in some ways, it's almost become, I will say to me, looking on the outside, in like a tribe, almost like a community that you build between your customers and the Smile Gals. Well, I, yeah, actually, the the term Smile Gals came from the customers. We they they made it up, and we kind of the girls kind of adopted it. Um, and then we we come up with a neat uh, acronym, actually, um, Paws, because we it's called Smile Dog, P A W S, but it's and that stands for our core values professional smiling awesome and the girls says well that's how we wow the customer that's where we got the w so pause positivity uh, be the wow so being professional smiling awesome actually wows the customer so that's and the girls the girls come up with that actually so um and we have that on all their shirts it's called positivity p-a-w-s-i-t-i-v-i-t-y be the wow so so it really works and they all believe in it and it's also a way for us to correct if we have somebody that isn't we we kind of go well. You're not fitting what we've described as what we, and this is what, what the girls how they want everyone to show up at work. They they want to come to work because no one wants to work in a negative environment, and that's how we get the results we get is by having this culture that we've created, which is kind of exciting because I used to believe that culture was hooey hooey. <laughs> yeah, I, but, uh, I I'm with you there. Whenever I first started in like really early on in my journey. In, in actually working for other companies, and I would hear that they bring in trainers and that, and it's so ironic considering what I do today. But I would be the same thing, like, oh yeah, here we go again, you know, like, yep. it's gonna be like, what do they call it, poofy or whatever, like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's just gonna be like, uh, rah rah rah, you can do it, and whatever, and yeah, and I just thought, and, and I, I would say to other entrepreneurs, if anyone uh, uh, hears this, is that for me, I did think that, and I read and read and read, and I couldn't understand it, and I just, I don't just get this, and it took me. So and I and I used to get frustrated. I say, well, you know, especially listen to Simon Sinek and the why and what's all this stuff. I, one thing I have learned over the last few years is that the answer is not always there first thing. The answer comes with time, contemplation, thinking, and then it and then the answer that you get is maybe get needs to be modified and and, and changed and adapted, and then it needs time to ruminate and time to be absorbed and time to be kind of tested. Uh, and very often when we read a book or listen to a TED Talk or something, you think, oh, I've got to get the answer, and, and you feel stressed about it. And one of the lessons I've learned in the last few years is that a lot of this stuff comes from time, persistence, um, reading, thinking, 
failing, and then suddenly it starts to click and it gets better. So, you know, I would really advise people to not to be too hard on themselves and just take time to let let yourself grow and let your business grow, and 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 suddenly it'll turn into something you didn't expect. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with that completely, Jeff. And, and you know, it's that whole just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy, or you could use that either way. Just because it's easy doesn't mean yeah. it's simple. But no. you know, it's, when you mentioned about the why, the Simon Sinek why, I mean, that's a great video for our listeners. I recommend it lots. If they haven't watched it, I'll say again, watch Start with Why. But um, and even grab the book. But uh, the video is a good starting point for somebody especially if they don't have a lot of time. But it's interesting when you hear that, I mean, because I share that with people about the importance of having a why or knowing your why. And it's interesting how that seems so simple on the surface. And then when you hear whys of companies that have crushed it, it seems like this whole thing sounds so easy. But it's not always that easy to to actually figure out a true why that resonates with you. And, and when I say that, um, for our listeners who haven't watched it, you know, an example that Simon Sinek gives is Harley Davidson and talks about how their why is because they want to create a lifestyle for their customers, not just sell a motorbike. And, and I'm paraphrasing yeah. it and obviously simple, simple, making that very simplified. But yeah. uh, Disney, I've never heard this, but I'm pretty confident to say based on their mission statement and, and their advertisements, their why is because they want people to leave happy. And right. everything else is built around doing that. You know, so their mission statement is to make people happy. Uh, it used to be to make people, especially children, happy, but they finally figured out that adults are children too. Um, and yeah. then the, your commercials always say happy place on earth. I mean, if you look at everything, even how they have function, if you drop your ice cream cone, they know they're empowered to go grab you a new one right away. It's all about yeah. making you happy. It's not about um, selling you on Mickey Mouse or, or yeah. selling you merchandise. So well, I think it, it sounds easy, but it's not easy necessarily to come up with. No, and I think that's what I – the lesson I learned in all this was because I read all those stories and done all that stuff. And I, and as a small business, uh, you often get – you know, you're looking at companies that have been around for a long time or they're huge companies. And I, and I say and – and yet us, all these small businesses get the same message. You know, they have to do this. And what I'm trying to say to entrepreneurs, because most of us are small, is that – you can find a why, but it doesn't come overnight, and it's a process. It's not uh, something you just get day one. Maybe there's a few like that, but to not feel so bad that you don't have a Disney why or a, uh, a big, well, the big whys that we hear about, that your own why will come out of, your, of the work you do in your business over time and how you develop the who you really are. And, and then as you develop who you really are and your business starts to represent that, suddenly it, be, it will suddenly become clear for you down the road. Because I think if you talked to me three, even three years ago, I wouldn't be talking the way I am now um, because I've learned so much in the last three years. And and I felt all that pressure three years ago of like, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. I don't know what, why and what's my purpose and all this stuff. And I've really, in the last three years, got very settled on that I don't have to have the answer. I just have to keep working toward getting the answer. And that's what I do today. I keep I keep working toward finding the answer. So, Jeff, I, I mentioned I wanted to ask you how people can learn more, and and you know even just a, a quick let's say uh, you mentioned at the beginning that Reader's Digest bio, maybe even a Reader's yep. Digest version of what you do for customers that would be different than let's maybe if we do a comparison to maybe what a call center would do. Um, can you tell us I guess what the website is and or or where you direct people and then um, and then like I said just a quick summary of what people will get whenever they become customers of Smilo? Sure. Um, well, we're an off-site receptionist company, so companies hire us to be their receptionist. Uh, we don't look at ourselves as an answering service or a call center. We look at ourselves as the receptionist who creates that human connection with your customer, and we feel with a um, very much computer, internet-type society that the human connection, that contact you make between two people creates an impression and a feeling that companies want to have with their clients. In fact, the owners typically are that first human contact, and great companies start with the owner. But as they grow, they need that first employee, and it often starts with the receptionist, and we all want that great person at the front desk. And today, most of it's virtual. So um, what Smile Dog is really good at is creating that human connection with our clients' customers. And we do that many different ways from um, 
and we customize it for each type of client. Um, uh, and we're good at it, and, and I think the reason we are good at it and why we're called Smile Dog is we created a, we've created a culture that on every call the girls are smiling, the girls are uh, thinking about how can I help this customer, um, what can I do to encourage that connection, and companies that do that are the successful companies. So we're we're a bridge for that company while they uh, develop their business, and. Um, it's fun. It's fun doing it. So if they want to find out more, they can email sales at smiledog.ca. And Brandon, who is an expert at his job, will answer all your questions and uh, help you get started. How does that sound? That <laughs> sounds fantastic. I love it. So, Jeff, this has been an absolute pleasure, as I mentioned. I knew it would be. And uh, like I said, uh, I'd love to call it the To Be Continued and bring yep. you back on the very near future and share a little bit more about the journey and, and dive a little deeper. But, of course, thank you so much today for sharing what you've learned more recently and, and over the years. And then, of course, uh, a little bit about your journey, which I think has been an exciting one to watch, so I can only imagine what it holds in the future as well. Well, thanks, Corey. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I must say I've watched you grow as well. And I've seen you uh, read the books, create the habits, develop the business and become successful yourself. So it's been a pleasure watching you because I remember when you started. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. It's so amazing to uh, watch something like that unfold and not realize what you're watching at the time and then get to see, uh, we won't call it the finished product, but, but the product that's a little closer to finished, <laughs> we can say. Yes, it's never finished, but uh, you should be proud of yourself. You've done an amazing uh, thing in a business which I would consider 10 times harder than mine. So, uh, keep doing what you're doing, and um, and remember me when you buy the yacht, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're too kind. Well, Jeff, like I said, this has been a pleasure. Let's uh, Let's keep this alive. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership, go to in-gaged.ca. Permadry, guaranteed solutions for leaky basements, go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes, your site for great service, sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning, go to oxfordlearning.com. Smile Dog, your receptionist, go to smiledog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.